0: Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Kahn. I think our industry
1: is going to be disrupted significantly in the next five to ten years.
0: Today on episode 573 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm here with the owner of your online genius, Bobby Klink. I'm going to ask Bobby how he believes experts need to serve their clients in an online framework in order to have a viable and scalable business that will last and much more. Stay with us to hear all the details. You can find out more about Bobby along with all of our previous episodes at SmashingThePlateau.com. Are you building your own business after a long career as an employed professional? Listen to our show, Going Solo, also found on our website, smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Bobby Klink. Bobby is a Harvard law grad turned online entrepreneur, but he's not your typical lawyer. He's built a thriving online business by doing things a bit differently than other people, making the legal and business stuff simple with a focus on building real connections with real people instead of thinking of people as potential transactions. After trying what the expert online entrepreneurs were telling him to do, Bobby threw out the online marketing rulebook and started marketing his way by giving, connecting with his audience, and building his brand. Bobby, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, David. I'm excited to talk and to have this conversation. I think it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: I think so, too. Um, So, Bobby, you have an educational and early career background that seems to be focused on being very high-achieving, and seems quite linear, yet that's not at all how your journey has unfolded. What happened?
1: So that's about right. I mean, I think you nailed it. I have been high achieving and I I did well. Uh, obviously, you have to do well to get into Harvard Law School. And um, even after law school, I, I went the traditional path. I Worked uh, first. I clerked for a, a judge on the federal court of appeals. Then I worked at prestigious law firms. Then I worked as an assistant United States attorney, which is you know the people who stand up and say, you know, at, at the time I went by my formal name, Robert Clink. I'm Robert Clink. I'm here on behalf of the United States of America. Which again, a pretty cool thing to get to say. But the problem is, or the problem I think was that I've never really been a a rule follower, if you will. I've always been a bit rebellious. I was in a punk rock band in college. And so being a traditional lawyer never really fit me. And so I think that's a big part of it. But also, candidly, in kind of the transition started in like 2016 or 2017, thereabouts, where I realized that through working with a life coach, of all things, that I really didn't like what I did for a living. I spent my days fighting with people and it just wasn't suited for me. And so that kind of started the transition and it was hard because at that point I had been a a practicing lawyer for 14 or 15 years. I had obviously invested a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of effort into getting where I was. But at that point, I just decided that being happy and loving what I did was more important than kind of thinking about, well, there's these sunk costs, I can't give up, I can't go a different route. And so I did, and and I'll be honest, I mean, the first year was rough, but since then, life has been good, life's great. And and more importantly now, (laughs) the way I explain it is, I feel like I'm getting up every day and going to play with friends. And that makes it so easy to do the things that you have to do to build a successful business. And so, I mean, that's been kind of, you know, in a nutshell, that's the transition that's happened for me in in about 20 years now.
0: Yeah. Well, 20 years is a long time. And Bobby, what triggered you to start working with a life coach?
1: Well, so, I mean, I was in that, I was in a phase, I'm trying to think of where I was. I was about, I think I was about to turn 40 at that point. I would have to do the math, but thereabouts, I was, and I was just kind of in a bit of a malaise. Like I wasn't, I wasn't sad. I wasn't You know, depressed or anything, but I also wasn't happy. And I started actually working with her partly to improve my relationship with my wife. And I learned a very important lesson from her without realizing it. She marketed herself as a coach who helped professional men improve their relationships with their wives. But she was really a life coach because we talked about the relationship for a while, but then it was about my life outside of that. It was about friendships. It was about work. It was about everything. And so, I mean, I I did that and, you know, at the time, like, I think I'd been working with her for about a year when she finally asked me the question about, that I call kind of the ultimate question. She asked me if I liked what I did for a living and I stammered because I would really never admitted to anyone other than my wife that I didn't. And so I stammered, but I told her and then she asked the next question. She said, okay, what are we going to do about that? Which, you know... <laughs> those darn coaches. When you work with coaches, they don't let you just say you're not happy. They say, okay, well, let's make a plan to solve it, which again, good. But uh, at the time, it scared the heck out of me.
0: I find it interesting that you were working with her for a year before that big question emerged.
1: Yeah. I think what it was is she, again, because of the way she marketed herself, she started by talking about relationships, like with my wife. And then from there, we kind of expanded out to to relationships with friends and, and life before she got to work. And so then she kind of got to work towards the end. And again, I can't remember the exact timing. It it was at least six months, but it might've been a year. I'm not sure I would have to go back and really do some real math to figure that out. But it was in that time period. I think she understood that that because she wasn't, Marketed, She didn't seem to have, you know, any great credentials necessarily about being a career coach. She figured probably smartly that she should really establish rapport and a relationship and a connection before she went there. But at that point, she was obviously just letting me do the deciding, right? She was walking me through like a good coach would and helping me to make the decisions about what was best for me.
0: Right, right. And, and um, you know, it, it strikes me that the deeper questions generally don't emerge right away. And particularly if you're just starting to work with someone who is helping guide you through this process, in order for you to even be honest with yourself, it takes building a relationship with, with somebody who's guiding you first to be able to even go to those places.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. Because again, like I, like I said, I had had this sense that I wasn't really happy for a while. In 2010, I joined a small entrepreneurial law firm. Um, I had left there in 2014 kind of unexpectedly. Well, I shouldn't say kind of unexpectedly because we made a classic entrepreneurial mistake of not having an agreement in place about how I would ultimately become a partner. And then we kind of came to, to loggerheads. And so I went and hung my shingle as a lawyer when my daughter was three months old, of all things, not an ideal time. But even then, like back then, I was working on potential side ventures back in, I guess it would have been 2012 and 13, I think. I got close to starting a beer company on the side of being a lawyer. And looking back, I mean, now I recognize that was all because I wasn't happy as a lawyer. And so I was looking for a creative out. But you're right. At the time, I just thought it was normal to do those things. And I wouldn't have have been able to really open up to anyone about it until that relationship was was built.
0: Right. And was there a point when you said to yourself, this is the path I'm now going to take that that led you to what you're doing now?
1: Yeah. So I always joke, David, I am a fire ready aim kind of guy. So the coach asked me that question and said, what are we going to do next? And I said, I don't know. I, and, and she said, well, look, I could see you because she'd been working with me for a while. She said, I could see you going and like she literally said, going on the radio and going on podcasts and and providing legal tips and legal guidance for entrepreneurs. She said that. And I said, oh, interesting. And we had calls every two weeks. <laughs> by, the time, by the time I had my next call with her, I had already signed up with a group to book me on podcasts and I had started down the path. Now, the funny thing is back then, my headshots I gave to people was me in a suit with my arms crossed in a very classic lawyer pose and it was all about the legal stuff. It was all very formal. I didn't have a lot of what I now call more cowbell. A friend helped me kind of coin that term from the SNL SNL skit, but about like bringing my personality and bringing me to my brand. But I started down the path, and so that was in 2017. And I mean, 2017, I was trying to to build this online business. The problem was, I didn't really, I didn't really have a lot of success. Honestly, I. I went all in that year I probably spent somewhere somewhere in the range of about 50 grand all in on on everything I did and trainings in getting like, you know, coaching on things, on software, on Facebook ads, on a Facebook ads manager, on all those different things. And then I did a launch of a course that I was creating that at the time was called Safeguard Your Online Genius. I did it in November. I was absolutely sure I had nailed it. Uh, I did a webinar and I've been public speaking since I was a sophomore in high school and debate and all these other things. I was like, I nailed it. This was awesome. And so I get out of my web, webinar software and then I go to my cart software and I saw no sales. I was like, what's going on? But I did did the emails and I did all that. I had one person sign up and she ultimately asked for a refund on day 29 of a 30-day refund policy, never having even opened the course. And that was my life in 2017 of trying to do what I'm doing now. And I was, I was on the verge of quitting. It was not working well. It, it didn't seem... That I was getting traction. And I'll never forget January or sorry, December 31st of 2017 was a Sunday. Uh, we went to church and I was in the dumps. I had not kind of told my wife, you know, how much I had spent on all these things. I'd been taking money from my law firm and, and using that to try to build this business. And I was not feeling very happy or very enthusiastic at the time, but I remember my my pastor was talking about giving that Sunday. And it wasn't about giving to to the church. It was about how giving changes you as a person. And again, in my fire ready aim fashion, I said, well, that's it. I'm going to make giving my word of the year for 2018. And the interesting thing is that little tweak, that little change is the thing that ultimately propelled me forward because 2018 was my breakthrough year. It, It didn't happen the first three and a half months, I still hadn't made any money. I started to make a little bit of money in, um, in April, but ultimately I, I built my business all by myself with no staff, nobody involved, up to a quarter of a million dollars that year by giving and just over-delivering and over-serving people. And so that, that's when I was hooked. And I was like, oh, this is my career path forever now.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, f- I find it fascinating that a change in your mindset led to a change in your behavior, which did lead to a change in business results, keeping in mind that the change in business results was not instantaneous.
1: No, it it wasn't. And and it really was a mindset change more than anything else, because in the online space, especially the the world that kind of I live in with, with course creators and membership site folks and people like that, a lot of people talk about giving but it's really a tactical version of giving. It's I will give so that I get reciprocity so that they will kind of, you know, give in return, not give, but buy from me in return. And that, that was in some sense where I was, and I had to shift that mindset. I had to stop saying it that way and, and become a giver. And the big shift I made that year, cause I mean, I had done all the traditional things of having lead magnets and, and having freebies and all those things to get people on my list. But what I realized was I was doing it very tactically, and I and I was giving as an action, and the shift I made and it wasn't at the very beginning of two thousand and eighteen. It took me a while, but I simply became a giver. so it it became my default setting and and the more I've done that and the more I've leaned into it, the better things have worked out for me. but but you're right, it didn't happen right away, and it certainly didn't happen the way I expected it to. I I started really giving in in a Facebook group for, I had joined an online program that has thousands and thousands of people sign up each year. And and I'd signed up through an affiliate and this affiliate was one of the top affiliates. And there were like a thousand people in that group, all of them among my potential perfect customers for my business at the time I was selling legal stuff, just the legal guidance for entrepreneurs. And I decided though, that I was simply gonna give in that group. And and I asked the admin, I said, hey, I'm creating all these freebies that are really directed to these people to help them with the legal stuff. Would it be okay if I just posted, not the sign up, just the PDFs in here, just gave the documents away. And it took the admin a while to figure out like, wait, wait, you really aren't gonna post the opt-in? I said, no, I just wanna give these things. So I did that. And then the person who was running that group reached out to me because she was creating a new program and had thought she wanted to have a legal training in it. And she asked me to be her guests, her guest teacher for that. And then that happened to be the time when the GDPR, the, the EU's data privacy law was coming into effect. And I I when she asked me to teach the thing, I said, Yeah, I'd happy to, but I'm actually doing this training right now for that. So I'll have to wait until you know I'm done with that. And then she asked me, she said, Well, well, how much are you charging for that? I might want it. I said, No, I'm not charging, I'm giving it away for free, which again blew her away. So she had me on her podcast which is a very highly rated podcast, especially among my group. And that episode aired the day before I had my next, like the next time I was doing a webinar after my disastrous launch the November before. And my list in, in a matter of, I don't know, a week went from 800 to four or 5,000 people. And I look at that and I just say, look, I could have never engineered that to happen. But it happened because I chose to give, and I chose to simply show up in life as a giver.
0: That's great, but how does that actually translate into revenue? Because ultimately, you're running a business, and you have bills to pay, and you have to support your family.
1: So, I mean, look, I still sell stuff, and I I joke I sell a lot more (laughs) than most people. I'm promoting stuff on a regular basis but the difference is, like, I don't worry. Like, instead of my default setting being, "Am I giving too much?" My default setting is, "Can I give more?" And by doing that, w- what happens is, especially in in the space of online, kind of call it thought leadership or service providers, and all of these, you know, all of us in that group and coaches, et cetera, we're not selling information, and we need to stop. I think thinking that we're selling information, we're selling a transformation. We're selling that people change. And what I've found is people ultimately want to resonate with us. And, and what that means is they're not buying a product, they're buying us. And maybe that sounds weird, but I think that's what we need to be thinking. Because look, if you're a service provider, for example, who who helps people with Facebook ads, I don't want to say, I don't know how many <laughs> other folks there are, but Thousands who do that same thing. So why are people going to pick you over someone else? Ultimately, it's because they buy into you. They've made a decision that they know they like and they trust you. And so by giving, what you're doing is you're building a connection and people get to that point. So they literally don't even have to think twice. When it's time to buy the paid product, they don't think about anyone else. You're the only person in their world that they would think about. And when I was selling legal templates, it it was easy, right? Because let's be honest, I could give all the training in the world about legal stuff because people ultimately don't want training. They just want a solution. And so what I was selling ultimately was legal templates that people could use to to put in place to get their protection in place without having to hire me or some other lawyer, which is going to cost you five grand, 10 grand, a bunch more. And so I was selling a solution. And so by giving them the information, I was able to, to build credibility, build the know, like, and trust factor, and get to the point that they wanted to deal with me. Now, since I've moved into kind of business coaching as well and, and business strategy, again, I, I, one of the things that I think a lot of people, the mistake they're making is trying to hoard information. I mean, if people want information about most of the things that we help people with, they can go to YouTube and find it. They can go to Google and find it somehow. They buy from us because they want our help implementing that information. And so I've made the shift now. I give all my training away. I give all my information away. I charge for implementation work. I have a a group coaching program. I do VIP days, which is basically, you know, time with me where we get kind of, you know, we get our, our hands dirty. I get in the dirt and help you figure out what you need to figure out for your business and then implement it. So that's how I've made the shift. And it's working. And and the more I give training away, the more that people have wanted to buy from me, not less.
0: So basically, you give away the what, and you sell the how.
1: I mean, I even give away the how. (laughs) I mean, I don't I don't hold back. I tell them how to do it. Fundamentally, what I've figured out, and what I believe is true, and and again, this is this is me looking forward. I think right now you can still sell the how in information, but what I sell is the implementation. I sell my help. And I sell kind of getting access to me to help you implement this stuff because, again, you could figure this out, but there are people who want to do it themselves, and then there are people who want help. And you can give those, the second group of people, all the information in the world, and they're still going to say, I still want your help. I still want your guidance. I still want your eyes on my thing. And I'm focusing on those people. Now, I'm doing that partly because, honestly, David, I think our industry is going to be disrupted significantly in the next five to 10 years. And people who believe, even if they're selling the the how, but if they're selling information, ultimately that's what they believe they're selling, you're gonna find yourself competing with some big entity. I don't know if it's Google or Facebook or someone that we haven't even heard of yet, but some huge company is gonna come out and they're gonna start providing the information in trainings in a very organized way So you're gonna be competing with those big conglomerates to try to get people to buy your information products. I don't think that's where you wanna be because you're gonna be competing with someone who can sell it for $25, $50, and you're gonna have to try to make a case for why they should pay more to you. And I think that's gonna be tough. So what I've chosen to do, and again, this is me looking out and saying, I wanna be ahead of the curve instead of behind it, is I've decided... I'm just going to go ahead and start giving it away for free. And now I sell implementation work because I think that's what we're going to have to do five years from now, 10 years from
0: now. And we have to figure out how do we scale that. And that's what I'm working through now. Mm. Yeah. So any thoughts about where the scaling opportunities may come?
1: I mean, I think you can do it in interesting ways that that people don't recognize. And this stunned me. I, so I kind of got known as the email guy for a while because I write I write emails that are, the best way to describe them sometimes is it's a weekly, weekly walk through my kind of wacky life. Even though my life isn't that wacky, I find things to make it entertaining. And so people, people were basically willing to pay to watch me live edit emails, even if it wasn't even their emails. They could get value from watching the way that I thought in literally just watching me you know, on a Zoom, in a Google Doc, editing someone's email. And I think that's the way we scale things. It's through those kinds of opportunities. It's group coaching programs. So I have a group coaching program. This year, we've got 40, 41 or 42 people in it. I always uh, mix up how many exactly. But people get value by watching me coach other people through the things they're struggling with. And so that's the way we scale these things. And then ultimately, as it grows, you can bring in other people to help you and, and provide value under you. But there are plenty of ways to scale, but even without bringing in like outside coaches, I mean, you know, I have a business model that could, you know, that can scale, you know, pretty good. And, and I don't have to worry about it, but we'll find a way. And I know we ultimately will, but it's it's finding ways to provide that implementation work in a group setting.
0: Yeah, that that's quite remarkable. But Bobby, you, you clearly have a different way of thinking about, online business than most people that are in it. And, you know, we've just kind of touched the tip of the iceberg in this conversation. If somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed today or access any of all of these myriad of resources that you have or get in touch with you, follow you, where's the best place for them to go?
1: Yeah, so I mean, you can find me just about anywhere. Bobby Clank, I'm. That's where I am on almost all the socials, but also my website. But but I also have a free, like I said, I, I give my training away for free. And, and as of right now, it's one course. But as we're recording this, David, I'm we are in the last bit of doing our tech stack overhaul. So by the time this episode goes live, we will most likely have five courses in what we call BOMU, which is our online uh, marketing university, and it's it's absolutely free. Uh, we don't charge anything because like like I said, I don't think that's what this is about. But I'm building this out as a platform for people to learn how to market, how to build an online business in the way that I believe is the right way to do it and to, to learn for free. So you can always find that at bobbyclink.com forward slash bomb you. You can sign up there. And by the way, if you're one of those weird people who likes the legal training, one of the courses in there is about the legal stuff because I think that's important. And I think we need to be thinking about that as well as the marketing stuff.
0: Well, Bobby, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau. It's been a really fascinating discussion. Um, You clearly think differently, and I'm glad that you've come on to share your thoughts. My guest today has been the owner of your online genius, Bobby Klink. Thank you again, Bobby, for joining us. Thank you for having me. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, You'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how experts need to serve their clients in an online framework in order to have a viable and scalable business that will last. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.